0: What's up? It's episode 32, Pain Points of Wealth, the news in plain sight. You've seen the headlines. We give you the real story. And the real story is mean reversion. Investors are learning a quote unquote painful lesson, P-A-Y-N-E, a a trend we identified on this show months ago, and that is technology stocks are starting to sell off. And mean reversion, you might be wondering what it is, how it works. We're going to break it down for you and why it's so important to understand as you're building your investment portfolio. And on the tipping point, we're going to pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And that is these rules of thumb when it comes to financial planning. What rules of thumb should you be using? Which ones should you disregard? We're going to break it down for you. Give you what kind of customized planning you should be doing right now, what you should be applying to your financial plan. And we got lots of fascinating facts of finance. we got a great show for you. Check it out. Hit the music.
1: Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between.
2: Hey guys, one thing that we always say, there are no new errors in investing. Famous trader, not investor, but trader from the 1920s, Jesse Livermore, once said that whatever happens in the stock market today has happened before and will happen again. And it's happening again, right? Tech is hot, just like it was in the 20s. And was back in
0: 2000. You know, back when I got into the industry, we had the dot com bubble. But, you know, you always get that narrative, and I hear this all the time, guys. And that's like, we're in this new technological revolution. We've got a new business cycle where it's all about. New technologies that are going to disrupt—they're going to take all the market share or that addressable market. I love that. Like, of course, we all have a big addressable market, but all the incumbent players of the past are going by the wayside because new technology is going to take over everything. Like, the digital world is going to just eat the world, and maybe that's the new narrative, guys. Maybe the old school way of investing doesn't apply anymore. I don't know.
2: I said Jesse Livermore is the greatest trader of all time, but you know, risk cuts both ways. In the crash in '29, he made three billion dollars in one day. But then over the next four years, he lost it all and took his life. So risk cuts both ways. And everybody needs to be aware of that when they're buying into this addressable market, this disruption and
3: innovation trade, which is already way overvalued. It's true. Risk does cut both ways. And actually what I'm seeing right now with a lot of my clients is they don't want to own bonds anymore. They want to get more into risky stocks because they feel like one with interest rates going up, the price of their bonds are going down, And they feel like the only way they're going to get any return is to take more risk. But the reality is is that when you take more risk, when the market does pull back, it's going to hit their portfolios a lot harder. Well, it's
0: all about FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. We hear about that all the time. But I think the dangerous part about when you have something that's really hot or a part of the market that's really hot is you get verification, right? Over the last 12 months, we had Tesla go up eightfold. Crypto has gone up over 300%. And you can name all these healthcare stocks, those biotech stocks, these technology stocks, these small cap stocks that have done hundreds of percents of return. And then you can look back and say, see, I was right. Look what I'm doing. You're telling me that this is risky, but look at all the money I've made. And I put this Voltaire quote, because that's what we do here on Pain Point So Well. We quote people from France in eighteen hundreds, you know, the more often a stupidity is repeated, the more it gets to be the appearance of wisdom And that's where investors start to buy their own BS.
2: You know, and that's how bubbles are formed, right? I mean, Chris, think about it. And that's where it comes down to what type of an investor you are. And that's what happens with bubbles, right? Bubbles are formed because people are buying Bitcoin because they're short-term traders. They're not buying it for the long term. They're buying it this morning, hoping it goes up so they can sell it this afternoon. But when long-term investors, the people that we work with, investors that are invested for the long haul, when they start to transition from long-term strategies into short-term strategies, you know they're kind of lured into the rocks you know, by the siren call of easy money. That's where bubbles happen because the short-term momentum traders, they're out at the end of the day. And if you're buying what they're selling, then you're stuck in that and you get caught in that bubble, it ends in tears. Well, it's almost like a good lover versus a bad lover. And I think what happens is you
0: start to believe that Tesla is a good lover, Bitcoin's a good lover, and they're not because they'll love you for the moment. And when it's going up, it feels great, but you don't realize how quickly you wake up the next morning, that lover's gone. In this case, those prices plummet overnight and no one gives you a heads up ahead of time. And that's just how these markets end up eventually, like you said, Bob, end in
2: tears, and you just don't see it coming. Chris, is that why we're such great investors? Because Ryan thinks we're all great
0: lovers? (laughs) (laughs) I speak for myself, not the two of you.
3: Well, speaking of lovers, Ryan, you always said that you shouldn't love your investments because they don't love you back. But if you look at like right now, the ETF, the ARK ETF, which is basically the index for tech disruption, that's down like 28% for the year. It's actually in bear market territory. And I actually had clients asking to buy that at the beginning of this year.
0: And that's quickly, right? Quickly happened. It only happened over a month's time. So I think the two hard questions as an investor, you need to ask yourself is number one, are we too optimistic about some market's potential or a quote unquote addressable market? I love that term. Like guys, is mom really going to go Venmo our aunts when they go out to dinner and maybe even pay in crypto, or she's still going to write checks out of her Bank of America account, right? Is Tesla going to be the only electric vehicle option in town? Like, you don't think BMW with their German engineers isn't going to come up with a product that's just as good? You know, <laughs> like, are we being naive? The other question you need to ask yourself is this newfound optimism already priced in? Like, look at a company like DocuSign, super hot stock right now, it trades for 153 years worth of profits. So maybe that addressable market's already pricing the stock for decades to come. I don't know, but these are big possibilities. And I don't think investors are asking themselves those hard questions.
2: Here's the whole point. Voltaire said that history doesn't repeat, only mankind does. So what happens now is you make excuses for why you're buying stocks at such ridiculous valuations using terms like potential and addressable markets. You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like, oh, look at all the eyeballs this dot-com stock is getting. It must be a great investment. Hey, folks, markets revert to the mean. It happened in the 20s. It happened in the 1920s. It happened in 2000. It's happening in plain sight
3: right now. Take financials, for example, which is trading 25% behind the market, or even something like energy stocks, which are trading at a 13% discount to their index.
2: You know, Chris, that's the thing. I watch financial news all day because I keep the tape on. I like to see when Ryan and you and Courtney and all our other advisors are on Fox Business and CNBC. But every commercial is about buying gold. Gold's down 10% year to date. Meanwhile, oil stocks are up 20, 25%. Bank stocks are up 20, 25%. Value stocks are up double digits. Call me crazy, but I'm a big fan of mean reversion, especially in our portfolio right
3: now.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you can either have mean reversion by your end, or you can use it to your benefit. Because the other remarkable stat that I saw is when you start talking about technology companies again, 38% of tech companies right now make no money. They're completely unprofitable. And the last time that we saw tech companies this unprofitable was when the tech bubble burst back in 2000. As we like to say, history doesn't repeat, but it sure does rhyme. And we're seeing that again. And I think the other important thing to understand right now is as the economy reopens, as inflation kicks in, cost is going up. It's going up in a big way. We're seeing supply chains around the world just exacerbated. And we saw more of that when we had that tanker caught in the middle of the Suez Canal the other week. But what happens is Wall Street becomes more enamored with instant profits, profits you can have today. And that's what these old school stocks provide. You know, It's not going to be these companies that are going to have profits in 20 years. That becomes less desirable. And that's why it's so important that you reposition your portfolio for the profits we're going to have today, not the profits we're going to have literally in 2040. It just doesn't
2: matter as much anymore. Well, here's the bottom line, guys. It's time to sell your Tesla stock and buy a Tesla. Sell your Bitcoin, put that in the good old US dollar in a bank stock that's going through the roof right now. You heard it first, you heard it here, you're going to hear it again. Hey, this is the Pain Points of Wealth Podcast. If you
0: like our content, you honestly love it, Don't be shy. Click the subscribe button. You can sign up, have our podcast sent to your email directly every single week. Click on that like button. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you want to talk about. Don't be shy. We're trying to get the good word out. Pain points of wealth. Click that subscribe button. All right, gentlemen, it's the tipping point. We pinpoint the pain point, P-A-Y-N-A, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, when you run over a thousand financial plans a year, like our firm does, probably more than most, we have learned that wealth planning is a lot more nuanced than following cookie-cuttered guidelines. So I thought we could discuss some of the common financial rules of thumb we often hear and discuss, like are they really useful or you should disregard them completely? And the first one I think about is the rule of one hundred.
2: You know, it's been a rule that's been around for a long time, guys. And actually, as rules go, it's not the worst thing you know you could ever possibly do. You know, when you're twenty years old, you subtract that from hundred you should have 80% of your money in stocks and 20% in bonds. You know, Not a bad rule, but I think it's much better if you can customize a little bit.
3: That's a great word, Dad, customization, because everybody is different. Everybody spends different amounts of money. People save different amounts of money. And really, I think the determining factor here should be how close they are to their financial goals.
2: Well, that's why I find it so laughable, Chris, when I watch these advisors get on national television and tell you, you should be buying this stock. They don't know anything about you. They don't know if you're retired, if you're just entering the workforce. If you're in your 40s or your 50s or 60s, there's no one size fits all idea. And just because some talking heads on television doesn't mean they're an expert in knowing your situation. You got to customize it to your goals and your dreams. You know, another rule that we hear all the time is that 75% rule.
0: Once you retire, you're only going to need 75% as much income as you earn while you're
2: working. I know you guys think about this rule already. Well, you know, if you follow that rule, you're a fool because not only do you spend more than 75, you spend over 100% of what you used to spend before you retired.
3: One of the things I often observe is that, and especially in retirement, the first three years of retirement, my clients tend to spend more than what they were spending when they were actually working.
2: Well, you know, because you start going on vacations, you start to splurge on your grandchildren, right? Especially now, when we've all been locked down with the pandemic. People are planning these elaborate trips, trips of a lifetime, and it costs a lot of money. And then there's always healthcare, right? Healthcare is the biggest variable because that could be like a
0: quarter of a million dollars once you're finally retired. So I think one of the good rule of thumbs here that should really be not the 75% rule is you'll probably spend more in retirement, not less. And I think there's that belief, well, you know what? Once I get into my 80s, I'm gonna be less vibrant, I'm not gonna do as much. Well, we have a lot of clients in their 80s, and that is not the case. <laughs> you know, if anything, what's amazing is all the activities, the trips and all the exciting things you're still going to do into your 80s. And you've got to account for that. You can't assume that you're going to be sitting feeble in front of your TV all day. It's just not going to happen. That's not the retirement of today. The other rule of thumb, which I actually kind of like this rule of thumb, is six months savings rule. You should have six months of expenses set aside as an emergency fund.
2: Well, that's the power of having a six-month savings rule is the flexibility. You You don't have to worry about if somehow you get downsized at your job or you get forced to retire early where an opportunity comes up where you can switch jobs or change location and you don't have to be dependent on whether or not the stock market or the bond market is going up and down. I think it's a great rule, I think it's something everyone should have, not just for peace of mind, but for that big F word, flexibility. Using the F word again, Bob. The other thing too
0: is, you know, use this in a customized way, right? Maybe you are a bit more risk averse, so maybe it's 8 months worth of expenses, or maybe if you're a little less risk averse because you have a lot of cash flow coming in, Well, then maybe you bring it down to three months, but it's going to be somewhere around there. Because the other thing is, this is the trap that I see all the time, is be honest with yourself. Are you sitting with way too much money in cash? Because once you start getting to 12 months, two years worth of cash, well, remember, interest in your bank account pays nothing. And you've got to keep up with inflation. We talk about it all the time. So I think one of the bigger mistakes that I see right now, whether you're in your 40s, your 50s, or even your 60s or 70s, is you've kept way too much money in cash because of all the uncertainty in the world. And as you guys know, like that's not paying you long term. That can have a real detrimental effect on you having a lifestyle that you want.
3: You know, one of the things I say to my clients oftentimes that have a lot of cash is typically a well diversified portfolio can generate anywhere from two and a half to 3% a year in income. I just say, take all that cash, multiply it times two and a half percent, and tell me if you'd be happy to throw that money out the window.
0: Yeah, that puts in a real perspective, Chris. The other rule that you hear lies the rule of five. On average, we experience a bear market or the market goes down every five years. I'm not sure about this one.
2: You know, Ry, rule of five. I don't like this rule because volatility is inherent in the markets. Volatility isn't something to be feared. It's something to be embraced, which goes back to why you want to have a six-month saving rule because you want to have the flexibility to buy when things are on sale. Here's one rule that I know, that in every bear market, is opportunity and you make all your money in bear markets because there's never been a permanent drop in history ever. And
0: also nothing comes in neat
2: lines. Our last bull market lasted 12 years.
0: <laughs> so, you know, every five years, like give me a break. Like there's no neat science. And the other thing to remember too is, and I think this is probably one of the most important points, is you can't anticipate it ahead of time. Chris, I'm a little disappointed. You didn't call me up in January last year. And tell me that we we're going to have a global shutdown because we we're going to have our first pandemic in a hundred years. The fact you missed that, so disappointing to me, and I really hold you accountable for the fact that we didn't have that anticipated in our portfolio.
3: Well, you know what, Ryan? I get up really early in the morning, and I have to walk around the house in the dark because uh, you know Luisa sleeps in, and I accidentally knocked my crystal ball off the shelf and it broke. So I apologize.
2: You know, Chris, I wouldn't feel so bad. Not only did you and every other strategist miss last year's pandemic bear market. But they also missed the correction in 2008, 2000, 1987, 1952. I mean, the one thing that's universal about bear markets, no strategist has ever been able to predict any of them.
0: And that's why you always have to have your portfolio ready. You know, it's not like, oh, you know what? This year might be a bad year in the market. So we have to position it differently. That's like the worst thing you can do. Anticipation is the most dangerous investment strategy. Instead, you always have to be prepared. You, know, you always have to have something in your portfolio that accounts for catastrophic events we can't even fathom because typically they happen more than you think. What we can't even envision that drives markets up and down. And that's why essentially you just always have to have your basis covered. And most portfolios in our experience just don't have that. And the last rule, this one I can't stand because it's used so much in financial planning, the 4% rule. You can take out exactly 4% of your portfolio each year without running out of money. I don't know. I don't like this one at all.
2: Well, here's what I like. I don't like the rule of thumb when it comes to your retirement. What I like is an actual plan, an interactive plan, like our 360 financial portal where you can map out what your return on your portfolio is and update it every year and see what your needs are and customize it to your goals. Why stick to a rule for the multitude of all the great unwashed out there when you can have your own rule and be the king or the queen? I like that idea. I'll tell you what, the king and queen of investing I like it, Bob. That's how you should look at yourself as
0: royalty when you're invested. But it's way more nuanced, right? Because if you're taking money out of a retirement account, that money's more expensive because you're paying taxes on it versus taking money out of your savings account. So it gets way more complex because maybe you need 5% out of your retirement accounts versus only 3% out of your regular savings account because you have tax-free income coming in. I mean, it's just, there's so many little nuances that you can't really account for just a very blanketed 4% rule. It doesn't work in today's very complex financial world.
2: Hey, these are all pretty good rules, but you know, when it comes to investing, rules are made to be broken. The only rule you need to follow is the rule of A to B, getting your family from your point A, where you are right now financially, to your goals, to your dreams, to your point B. That's the Bob Payne role. That's the Payne Capital Management role. And that role will help you to rule your life financially forever. Bob, Chris, and I have now spent a collective 70 years. That's
0: right, 70 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything we teach you here on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But If you have over $500,000 and you want a more hands-on approach and guidance, you can apply for a free financial review at www.paynecm.com slash financial plan or click the link below. We can put together a full audit of your investments, a deep dive, all the hidden fees you're paying, tax optimization, and a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right track to achieving financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. It's the Pain Points of Wealth podcast. And if you love our content, if you think I'm more witty than Bob and Chris, we know you do. Don't be shy. Subscribe. You can have our podcast sent to your email every single week in a timely manner and click the like button. Give us a comment. Let us know what you want to talk about. We're here to chat about anything going on financially related. All right, Bob and Chris, the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. So, Bob, we work recently when public through a SPAC, or what we call special purpose acquisition company, at a fraction of the $47 billion private valuation the company had before a failed IPO effort in 2019. The SPAC deal values the office leasing company at $9 billion. Talk about a
2: haircut. Well, you know, if you look at it another way, right? We work if you fail first, try again, even if it costs you $37 billion. Well, I think the
0: scarier part is these SPACs or special purpose acquisition company will take any kind of company public, no matter how lousy it is, buyer beware. Chris, at the Wall Street Bets Forum on Reddit, the online chat community, Comments like, I can't read, I have no idea what I'm doing, are common. Users insult each other's own intelligence as terms of endearment and badges of honor. In February, commentators on Wall Street bets call themselves stupid, idiot, or related terms 3,550 times.
3: Well, right. if you hadn't used the word Wall Street bets or Reddit, I would have thought you were talking about the Wall Street analysts that make predictions about what the stock market's going to do. Well, I don't know
0: who's better or who's more stupid or more of an idiot, but that's probably a whole podcast on its own. Bob, 40% of companies successful enough to become publicly traded lost effectively all their value over time. The Forbes 400 list of the richest people in America, on average, roughly 20% turnover per decade for causes that don't have to do a death or transferring money to another family member.
2: Well, it just goes to prove that the numbers show it that investing in individual stocks is not investing. It's speculation. You know, investing in the market in a diversified portfolio is the only way to go. You know, how lucky do you feel? Are you going to pick a company that not only stays in business, but actually outperforms the index? Or are you going to end up with a bunch of companies that go under where you're just left holding the bag? I don't know about you, Rye. I don't speculate. I invest. I love that, Bob. And also it just reminds us that capitalism is messy.
0: You know, anything that's the incumbent today, you know whether it's Amazon, Facebook, Google, they're always only a couple steps away from creative destruction from some other force in the universe. So it's always a great reminder. you can't stay complacent as an investor, Chris, July fourth flight reservations have risen sixty four percent in the past month, the fastest
3: gain ever. Well, right? If the uh, Miami Spring Break is any indication of what the future' is going to look like for travel, I'm not really shocked by the statistic. It just goes to show you that, some of that $2 trillion that's sitting in cash right now is making its way back into the market.
0: Chris, I love your astute observation. You know, Forget these economic indicators. You just have to go look at what's happening on Miami Beach right now. Spring break, people are going crazy. People are going nuts. And you can pretty much extrapolate that out to the rest of the world as the economy reopens later this year. Love the spring break. Miami Beach Indicator. Good stuff. All right. Well, if you love our content, you like our content, you love our podcast, don't be shy. Click on that like button. Subscribe to our podcast. Another great show. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind.
1: Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management.